It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 89 of the Night Talker. I am spending the hour giving you a preview of an exciting new venture that I'm a part of. It is a YouTube channel and more called Texas Sports Unfiltered. And it means a lot of things, including me getting to do a daily show with one Brad Kellner. So I am going to bring you highlights of today's first episode of Trey and BK on Texas Sports Unfiltered. I am Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. As I just mentioned, Texas Sports Unfiltered is a new venture involving me and BK as well as Bucky Godbolt. Kevin Dunn is going to be a part of the mix, making his return to broadcasting. Adam Wagner and some other folks that I can't mention just yet. But today was the inaugural episode of Trey and BK on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Normally, you'll be able to check it out live from 10 to, uh, excuse me, from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. We're also eventually going to have an app and an audio-only stream after the fact, as well as going back and watching the video on YouTube after it has aired live. And here is the first of two hours' worth of highlights from BK and me talking. First thing this morning, I was actually having to fill in for Bucky Godbolt, who was stuck in Atlanta after a canceled flight yesterday and getting back from his 85th high school reunion. But here are some highlights from BK and me this morning. Texas Sports Unfiltered channel. What is up, YouTube? Welcome to the debut edition of Texas Sports Unfiltered. You know who we are, but we'll introduce ourselves anyways. The greatness from midday with Trey and BK is back. Normally, you'll catch us from 12 to 1 on this channel. Normally, from 8 to 10 in the mornings, you'll catch myself with Bucky Godbolt. Unfortunately, Bucky had a little bit too much fun at his 50-year high school reunion over the weekend, so that has caused him to have to miss today's episode. But he'll be back tomorrow and every weekday morning from 8 to 10, and normally Trey and I will be working from 12 to 1. But we are super excited to launch this channel. We have been overwhelmed by the amount of support that you guys have shown us over the last couple of weeks since we announced this thing We're already nearing 3,000 subscribers on YouTube before we even posted a video. We're already over 60 people watching this video right now, and we're two minutes in. And Trey, this thing is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm super pumped to have you on board, and I'm super excited to get this thing started. I have been excited since minute one of uh, you paying me and a few others a phone call with this idea that you had concocted. And uh, yeah, let, let's go. I mean, unfiltered, as the name suggests, means that uh, we are not holding anything back. At times, that would get us in trouble in the past, BK, but now uh, hopefully it is playing into our advantage. And yes, Bucky Godbolt, we, had, uh, we maybe had some side bets going on on what would derail Bucky on episode one. We all thought it might have something to do with some sort of technical issue on Buck's end. Now, there was a technical issue, but it was totally out of his control. Bucky, making his way back from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, ends up stuck in Atlanta yesterday. A six-hour delay, thanks to some bad weather rolling through, turned into an outright cancellation in the evening. And so Buck uh, had to spend the night 
at the Atlanta airport. I'm not going to put the airline on blast. He may choose to do that tomorrow, but uh, they offered him a discount on a hotel room. Other, otherwise, he got to stay in the airport all night, which is what he chose to do. Yep. And uh, he will be back tomorrow. I'm sure he'll have some uh, some fun things to talk about with regards to uh, just observing people in the airport. And I'm not going to spoil this. Uh, you'll just have to tune in tomorrow to find out. Apparently, you guys have a huge guest that you're speaking with tomorrow morning, too. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to announce that a little bit later in our show today. But uh, plenty of reasons we hope that you guys are going to be locked into Texas Sports Unfiltered all of the time. But, uh, yeah, very, very special guest who will be joining the Buck and I for our first show together. But Bucky's got some hilarious stories uh, from his travel up to his 50-year high school reunion, including him having to use a port of potty outside of his high school because he was locked out. So we're talking about a high school Hall of Famer up there in Bethlehem, PA, resorting to having to use a port of pot to take a deuce uh, because he couldn't get anywhere else. So Bucky will have more details. He'll tell you more about that story. But yeah, he uh come he on, slept man, this airport. guy. Can't you unlock the door for a few minutes to keep someone <laughs> from having to use the porta pots? Uh, the guy, uh, I guess, was not nearly as important in high school as uh, as he thought he was. And that legacy did not span five decades plus. So, uh, unfortunately for the buck, he, he couldn't get in. But, yeah, he'll talk about that. He'll talk about his travel stories. Once again, he will be with me normally from 8 to 10. And Trey and I will be together from 12 to 1 on this I don't know, channel. I don't know about you, BK, but as far as the yeah. porta pot bit goes, and I know Bucky had bubble guts. And when you're in your late 60s and you have bubble guts, then uh, there, you don't really have many options. I refuse to use porta pots. I will go in nature before I use a porta pot for either thing, but especially uh, the the number two action. I mean, I you know if I'm around town and I really have to go, and the option is a porta pot or acting like I am staying at a hotel that's close by, I'm gonna walk through the front doors of that hotel like I'm like I own the place and walk straight into that first floor <laughs> bathroom. I detest porta pots. Porta pots. There's one acceptable time to use a porta pot. That's the very first time that porta pot is in use, and even then, I would question uh, the the uh, san- the uh, sanitation of the porta pot. Thankfully, my kids have also adopted this. They refuse to use porta pots too, so I feel like I've mm-hmm. done something right here because my kids in their young lives have shunned porta pots each like ten times. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I have a fear slash phobia of public bathrooms in general. So it's not just the porta pot. Like it's a gas station bathroom, it's a shopping mall bathroom, it's in anywhere. Uh at my current job in Houston, I have been here for about two years now. Mm-hmm. I have used the facilities to go number two one time in my career. And I'm so upset that that number is greater than zero. Driving <laughs> home from a late night work event downtown and I couldn't make it home. There was too much traffic on the road. I couldn't make it to the house, and uh, that was the closest place I could find. So, yeah, not just the porta pod for me. It's uh, it's anywhere. But you, it, you just keep bombarding your uh, your digestive system with Taco Bell. That'll change eventually. You'll, you'll have uh, <laughs> you'll have more of those moments where you just can't help yourself, but to have to go in public. Uh, uh, no. So this is the type of unfiltered conversation we're going to have. We're going to talk plenty of sports on this channel, of course. Plenty of Longhorn football, plenty of national college football. Uh, we'll get into a lot of that today. We'll recap the first week of Texas fall camp. We'll talk about everything going on with college football realignment because that's obviously been crazy as hell over the last few days. Uh, we'll talk some baseball, but we're going to have a ton of fun 
on this channel. That's the big point. I mean, it's unfiltered. We we can cuss. We'll get away. We're not going to be dropping F-bombs 100 times during every show, but we can uh, let one slip, and we're unfiltered and unregulated by everything. We don't have radio bosses telling us what we can and can't talk about. Uh, we don't have the FCC telling us what we can and can't say. We're going to have a lot of fun on this deal, and you guys are a huge part of this thing, seriously. I mean, the, we've gotten a ton of comments already. Steven asking if we're going to have an app to listen on. Yes, we are in the process of developing an app. We're hoping by the end of this week that we will have an app that will let you stream us live. So it gives you an audio-only version uh, if you're on the go and uh, or just don't want to look at our ugly faces. I, I, I don't blame you too much. We are radio guys after all. But we will have an app to listen on. We'll also post every single episode to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, to Google Podcasts, to Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered. And uh, look, you can watch the video in real time on YouTube after we're done. So if you want the video element, then you can obviously catch us on YouTube after we're posted. But obviously, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, I know a ton of people love to consume their favorite media and podcast form. So we're going to have that for you as well. Trey, we just want this to be as easy as possible for everyone. And once again, we want all of you guys to be a huge part of that. We're going to be you know, putting a bunch of y'all's comments up on screen throughout the entirety of these YouTube shows. Shout out to Nick for the kind words here. Uh, we do. Uh, we agree. I mean, we feel like this has the potential to be really, really big. We've got uh, people we're excited about. Kevin Dunn is going to be a big part of this channel as well. You can catch him from 12 to 1. He's going to join Trey and myself. Uh, Bucky, obviously, will be a part of this thing. Adam Wagner will be a part of this. We've got a few more big names. Oh, sorry to cut things off mid-clip, but just going to have to go to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel to hear more, or you can stay tuned because coming up after this commercial break, it's more highlights from day one of Trey and BK on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. You're on the Night Talker. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back on the Night Talker with some highlights from day one of the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. It is something put together by Brad Kellner, myself, Bucky Godbolt, and Kevin Dunn are going to be as part of things, as as is Adam Wagner, who, of course, you can hear on this very station on Sundays from 11 to 12. BK and I did the very first show this morning. Now, normally it's going to be BK and Bucky in the mornings, but Bucky was stuck in Atlanta thanks to a canceled flight. So I happily stepped in. And here are some more highlights from B, uh, from day one of BK and me. All right, so we're excited to get rolling. Uh, let's get into some Texas football conversation to start. Four practices in to Texas Longhorn Fall Camp. Of course, we're less than a month away. Can you believe it? Less than a month away from the start of the Longhorn season. Uh, we're actually, what, two and a half weeks away from college football coming back in general. So that week zero is at the end of August. It's literally two weeks from Saturday. So college football itself is right around the corner. We're pumped. Everyone listening to us right now is obviously pumped. Uh, it should be an awesome, awesome season. So four practices in, one week in to Texas fall camp. What are your biggest takeaways? What are your biggest observations from everything you've seen, everything you've heard going on on the 40 acres? Biggest thing, and maybe this is a bit of a cop-out, but Quinn Ewers still is looking and sounding like uh, the guy who is going to lead this team to better things this year. And I love to see that. I had the opportunity to speak with him face-to-face at Big 12 Media Days last month, and I was impressed. I mean, obviously, he he does look a whole lot better. He's 
kept himself in really good shape, but he has a, a certain confidence about him that seemed to be lacking at times last year. And he's talked openly about that, how he was maybe reading a little bit too much into the criticisms and it was putting him deeper into a hole. Well, he has that confidence now. And we know what the talent is. And he also has a better uh, cast of receivers to throw the football to. Some guys who were there last year, the Worthies and Whittingtons and J.T. Sanders of the world. But to get to add an A.D. Mitchell, a Jonte Cook, and uh, some of the other guys who are new to this roster who uh, can really make some good things happen. I'm excited. And I think that while a lot of the focus is going to go on this passing attack, I can't wait to see what Jonathan Brooks can do in that backfield. People think that there's going to be a big drop-off with Bijan and Roshan no longer here this year, and that's not necessarily wrong, but Jonathan Brooks can more than hold his own. We saw it in mop-up duty last year, and look, you got to start somewhere, even if it's against backups for a team that you're blowing out. But then we also saw the proof in that same pudding in the bowl game. The Longhorns-Alamo Bowl lost to Washington. Jonathan Brooks looked really good in that game, too, so... I'm excited to see what uh, what he can do with the running back position, the offense on the whole, and then also the defense. Pete Kwiatkowski really started to figure something out in year two. Uh, they bring back a lot on that side of the ball. Even though they lose some dudes on that defensive line, uh, that is a deep group, arguably the deepest in the Big 12, maybe in the entire country according to some. It's certainly in the top three to five in terms of defensive line depth. Great at linebacker with Jalen Ford coming back. You lose Overshone, but you feel confident that some combination of guys between a Benda and an Anthony Hill and uh, maybe a Maurice Blackwell can really help fill that gap. And then the secondary looks like they are primed to be even better than last year, too. Uh, Ryan Watts coming back, obviously. You get Gavin Holmes, the transfer from Wake Forest. And then uh, adding Jalen Catalan to, uh, to the secondary at that sa- safety position. I am a safety guy first and foremost when I'm watching defenses, so I cannot wait to see him cook. Trey's excited about this 2023 Texas football season. Let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian. He's talking about the excitement surrounding the Longhorn football program right now. Clearly, we, we like the talent on our team, um, but when you start putting that together with staff continuity, the veteran players on our roster, and then the, the influx of the newcomers, uh, we've, uh, we, we've, we've built something here that we're excited about. And, uh, you, know, you know, ultimately, we have to go out and play, and that's what's going to define us is by the way we play and the way we perform. Um, but I think we're, we're, we're set the stage for us to go out and have a really good training camp. And there's definitely a lot of excitement. I mean, I, I think that when you look at, you know, the season ticket sales in June and being sold out in June, over 68,000 season tickets, I know our student tickets are uh, on a record pace right now of, of what's to be sold. So I think there's a lot of excitement in the air. Uh, amongst the program. A lot to be fired up about. Uh, a lot of really good players coming back. A great staff coming back. Uh, like I said, a lot of influx of, of new players that can help this team uh, be even better. And and then now it's time to put in the work. Shout out to Roger Wallace, our buddy over at KXAN for, uh, for that video. Uh, yeah, look, Sark's right, and you're right, Trey. I mean, there are tons of reasons to be optimistic about this Texas football program, and you and I are generally pessimistic, right? Like anybody who's ever listened to us do radio in the past know that we're usually not only glass half empty, but maybe glass half shattered guys when talking about Texas football. You always call it UTSD, right? Like the Longhorn version of PTSD from what we and so many other Texas fans have from what this program has put us through over the last 12 years. and you know, for some longer than that. So uh, it's I understand people being cautiously optimistic or being a little bit skeptical or hesitant to buy in, but there are a ton of reasons to buy in 
to what Texas has this year. And and I think it starts with the offense, like you said, man. I mean, yours especially, but there's just so much talent, 10 returning starters, a lot of reasons to feel like, hey, this offense, which was very good last year, can take a step, be even better, and be even more consistent this year, which obviously could take Texas to the Big 12 championship game and hopefully beyond. Is there a reason in your mind right now to not be optimistic about this football team other than the fact that it's the Texas football program that has let us down more often than not over the last, what, 14 years now? That's the number one reason, honestly. The number two reason is Steve Sarkeesian, really. I mean, uh, he's done a great job building this roster, right? This is the deepest Texas roster that we've seen since maybe 2010, And this might be the most talented roster that we've seen around Texas since 2010 as well. I mean, this roster is in a great spot, and this program feels incredibly, incredibly healthy. So I'll give Sark and the rest of this coaching staff a major tip of the cap for being able to get as much talent together as they've been able to accumulate over the last three years. But, I mean, this guy's got the nickname Seven Win Sark. It didn't come from his time at Texas, right? Like Washington and a couple of years at USC – I think the job he did at Washington was really impressive. He was able to turn that program around and had some success, but he kind of plateaued towards the end of it there. And obviously at USC, plenty of other stuff going on with Steve Sarkeesian that uh, cost him his job out there. But still, we know how much talent USC has year in and year out, and they weren't able to achieve the goals that they generally set for themselves as a program. So like Sark has done a great job. He has to get better at adjusting, Trey. Like that has been the issue for Sark over his first two years in Austin. His game scripts, like the first 15 plays were amazing and they have been amazing. And it just feels like Texas has gotten off to so many hot starts over the last couple of years, especially last year where, oh man, Sark was just deep in his bag. He was cooking and Texas was basically getting whatever it wanted offensively. And then in the second half of games, it just felt like Sark was losing the battle of wits to the opposing coaching staff. He's got to get better. He's got to be able to adjust because obviously there's some good coaches in this conference. There's going to be some better coaches in the SEC next year when Texas makes the move. He's got to find a way to win that battle of wits more often than he did. So honestly, it's Sark just not having seen a Sark team, not only in Austin, but throughout the entirety of his head coaching career, really win a conference championship make it to a New Year's Six Bowl, and achieve the success that uh, fans have lofted on him. That's the biggest question mark for me is if he can take that next step and prove that he is a big game, big moment type of head coach who's going to have his team ready to play every single Saturday. He called him 7-win Sark. Unfortunately, the proof is in the records right now, and it's a broken record time for me in pointing out that Steve Sarkeesian has not been very good against top 25 competition nor against conference competition on the road throughout his coaching career. He loses two out of every three games in each of those situations. He's going to have have an opportunity to reverse both of those trends this year. Now, it's not a conference game necessarily, but starting week two of the season against Alabama, that's going to be so telling. Even if Texas loses that game, if they're competitive and they're in it until the end, watch out because you're only going to see this team's confidence grow to be able to stick with a team like Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, it was a close game here in Austin last year. Speaking of hot, that was maybe the hottest I've ever been in that football stadium. But it was a raucous environment, and Texas was very close to winning that one. You wonder if Quinn Ewers doesn't end up getting healthy early on in that game, if Texas does uh, find a way to, uh, to pull it out. But Steve Sarkeesian has to win those sorts of games 
Again, if he doesn't win in Alabama, but he keeps it close and then uh, really gets them started on the right path to where they do win that first conference game this year in Waco, that is a tricky, tricky game, as Longhorn fans are well aware over the years, and then just continuing to build from there. I think the opportunity is absolutely here for the Texas Longhorns to make a statement in their final season of the Big 12 by either winning a regular season Big 12 championship or making it to that conference championship game, winning that one. And hey, you never know. If they finish the season with a single loss and that loss was at Alabama, then uh, maybe we see the Longhorns playing in a college football playoff semifinal game. I'm getting the cart mm. way in front of the horse at this point when I say something like that, BK. Your but it's a season of optimism. Full. Yeah, oh my God, that's glass completely full today. <laughs> I love it. Early morning tray. I'm not used to this. Delusional. Uh, it's, it's the uh, the legal weed here in Colorado has me uh, <laughs> has me delusional right now, I guess. Yeah, is that where you are right now? You've got a pretty nice backdrop behind you. Is that some mountains I see back there? Yeah, mountains and some trees or maybe some aspens back there. Yeah, I know my family is vacationing in Breckenridge right now. We got here last Friday, and these plans have been on the books for a couple months, but uh, this new venture uh, does not wait for vacations to be over with. So I had to make sure to bring my broadcasting equipment with me and uh, get ready to go. Uh, the the first morning of the uh, of the the launch of this channel, and then also from twelve to one Central Time uh, over the rest of the week too. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a start! Look, I I think every Texas fan would agree that this season would go down as a major disappointment if the Longhorns don't at least make it to the Big Twelve championship yep. game. Right? I mean, for a lot of folks, they've got to win it, and Texas is favored to win the Big Twelve for the first time in. Sorry to cut things off mid-conversation, but you're just going to have to go to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel to watch and hear more. But I'm going to continue playing highlights for the rest of tonight's show to give you a taste of what we're offering up at Texas Sports Unfiltered, the YouTube channel. There is also a podcast stream. There will eventually be an app, too. Stay tuned. More highlights coming up next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with more highlights from day one of Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is a new project started by myself, Brad Kellner, Bucky Godbolt, Kevin Dunn, Adam Wagner's a part of this thing as well. You can check it out for yourself by going to YouTube and searching Texas Sports Unfiltered. BK and I did the very first episode from 8 to 10 this morning. Normally, it's going to be Bucky Godbold hanging out with BK during that time, but Bucky was stuck in Atlanta thanks to a canceled flight yesterday, so I happily pinch hit, and uh, here are some more highlights from BK and my first conversation on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. All right, Trey, let's talk realignment, shall we? I mean, I, I feel like I need to keep refreshing Twitter, like it's the start of NBA free agency, which is how much news keeps dropping in regards to realignment in college sports. I think we're, we're in a, a spot right now to where things are starting to settle down a little bit, but obviously right. the last week has been crazy as hell. It started with the announcement that Colorado was moving to the Big 12 starting in 2024, and then just hit the fan from that moment on. The Big 10 adding both Oregon and Washington, and then the Big 12 in reaction to that, adding three more schools, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. So Texas won't get to be a part of the new look Big 12, or at least the newest look Big 12. Obviously, there are four new schools in the Big 12 this year, and Texas will play a couple of them 
this season. But I, I don't even know where to begin. I guess just I'll give you the floor. Your biggest takeaways from this latest round. I don't think we can call it the last round because this thing never stops. But the latest round of realignment in college athletics. Yeah, this officially, well, maybe not officially, unofficially uh, puts an end to one of the worst leadership tenures in sports history with George Klyovkov and his attempt to maneuver the Pac-12 through the craziness of NIL and realignment and really just overplaying his hand repeatedly uh, going back more than a year now that has left his conference in shambles, literally four members left in this conference, Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State. Those four schools are going to have to find a new home too because the Pac-12 is done, BK, even if officially they're not going to be done until the end of this athletics calendar year, the Pac-12 is no more. And on the one hand, it is sad because the Pac-12 does have a fairly storied history. On the other hand, uh, times change. And if you don't evolve with the times, you get left behind. And that's exactly what is happening with the Pac-12 here. They overvalued themselves going back a year. Uh, This would even be prior to USC and UCLA bolting for the Big Ten. But after USC and UCLA bolted for the Big Ten, they were still overvaluing what their worth was with that next media rights deal. And ultimately, that led to this conference's demise. And uh, kudos to Brett Yormark, a guy that I have spoken highly of for more than a year now since the first time I spoke with him at Big 12 Media Days. Spoke with him uh, this most recent round uh, a month ago in Arlington. And I continue to be impressed, not only with what he has to say, but how he operates. How he is uh, an outside-the-box thinker. He's somebody who's willing to take risks. And he is someone who is always thinking several steps ahead. And he completely gamed George Klyovkov in the process by getting Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and now Utah into the Big 12 Conference. It was going to be hard for them to land an Oregon or a Washington, and it makes sense that those two schools are ending up in the Big 10 now. But uh, Brett Yormark has proven himself as an excellent uh, leader of a a lot of different types of organizations, by the way, because he was in charge of Rock Nation for a while before moving over to the Big 12 He is somebody who is likely headed for much bigger things before it's all said and done. As far as the Big Ten is concerned, I think they did a great job of going and finding value out west. UCLA doesn't have as much as USC, but you do attach those two schools at the hip. But they didn't feel the obligation to do that with Oregon State or Washington State and bringing Oregon and Washington over. So I think they got the best of what the Pac-12 had to offer and uh, leaving a lot of those other schools with uh, a decision to make as well. They made uh, those other four schools made the decision that they did to go to the Big 12. It'll be interesting to see where Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal end up. It's not going to be in one of these major conferences, but here we are now, BK, with the college football playoff expanding in 2024, and we have a better sense of what major college football is going to look like. It doesn't involve a fifth Power 5 conference anymore. There is going to be a Power 4, and it may get whittled down to a Power 2 before it's all said and done. Yeah, welcome to the Mountain West, Oregon State. Good luck out there. You kind of feel for those four schools, and you know, in a sense, all of this is sad, right? One of the things that makes college sports so great is tradition and rivalry. And we're losing a lot of that stuff. Now, obviously, we'll gain some new traditions and rivalries with all of these teams moving conferences. And obviously, for Texas's sake, well, they get to reignite a couple of old standing rivalries with A&M and Arkansas. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just the tradition and the pageantry of these college football rivalries that we've seen for 
hundreds of years, it's all going away. And I get it. It's the almighty dollar. Like, I, I can't be too critical of these universities wanting to do what's best for their university. And that's going to these major conferences to make a crap ton of money on uh, on television deals. But you do kind of lose the uh, some of the things that make college sports unique. And this thing, look, college football has really been a professional sport for a long, long time. But now it is feeling and acting way more like a professional sport. So I get it. But uh, it's sad that we're losing some really, really good matchups that have been played for a long, long time in the, in the history of college sports. Yeah, you uh, you talk about how this isn't done just yet, and you're absolutely right about that, BK. The next shoe to drop is is going to have to do with the ACC. And Florida State is beginning to lead that charge right now. Schools in that conference are really unhappy with how that TV deal looks right now and how long that TV deal goes, too. I believe it goes into the middle of the next decade, into the middle of the 2030s, before schools are able to lead that conference if they want to. So schools are looking at a bunch of different possibilities and how to get out of that deal or to help finance themselves getting out of that deal to land in a better conference. And Florida State is actually looking at private equity right now as a way, as a possible salvation to help them lead the ACC. Don't be surprised to see some of these other schools uh, start to look along those lines too. Yeah. And before it's all said and done, we could see Florida State in... The SEC, that might make sense, or the Big Ten. The Big Ten seems willing to go over that 16 number, obviously, with the schools that they just added. Would the Big 12 maybe make sense for a Florida State? I'm not totally sure right now, but I do know that uh, schools that are in the ACC right now see the amount of money that the SEC and Big Ten are getting for their schools, and they realize that is doubling the number that the ACC is getting for their schools. They are going to quickly fall behind just from the basic numbers game of how much you are working with financially each and every year as you not only build that program up, but try and sustain it with the, uh, the other legitimate competition that exists across college football. Yeah, you and I were talking about this a little bit during – your night talker episode on ESPN Austin back on Friday. You just, you wonder when this thing is going to stop, right? Because I feel like for a while, a lot of college football fans just assumed we were headed to a four 16 team super conference format. And that was just going to be the way of the future in college sports. But well, you already have the big 10 surpassing 16 teams. So clearly they don't give a shit about what any of us think or what any of us want. They're doing what's best for them. And obviously the schools, once again, are doing what's best for them, trying to make as much money as possible. And they realize getting as many big brands in the same conference as you can gives you the best opportunity to make a ton of money from those TV networks. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know where we're headed. We might be headed towards, speaking of professional sports, like an AFC, NFC type of format where it's literally just two huge conferences that, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC, maybe they rename themselves to something else. My God, hopefully the Big Ten changes its name at some point because it hasn't made sense for years. And if we're talking about them getting more than 20, it's going to be even more ridiculous that they're still calling themselves that. But yeah, we might get to that point to where it's just like two huge conferences with, you know, forget 120 plus, however many FBS teams there are. They might just take the top 40, 50, 60 and, like, that's how we're going to determine a national champion every year. Like, just all of those teams play each other. We've got a playoff format similar to what we have in the NFL. And then the winner of each of those conferences slash divisions, whatever you want to call them, they might be playing for the national championship. So that might be where this thing is headed. I think we almost have to get the idea of the four super conference bit out of our head because, once again, it doesn't feel like the conferences are falling in line with that at all. 
Yeah, you know, for a while, going back four or five years, when it when I started to see the writing on the wall with regards to the direction that college football was headed in, I thought that four 16-team conferences made sense. And there is a clear distinction between those four conferences and then that next level of college football, which, by the way, you're giving that next level a chance to win a national championship when you put that clear line in place and you allow them to operate their own playoff too. But I think you're probably right about that. I think in the end, it probably does turn into a two super conference bit. And maybe the the Big Ten and the SEC end up taking on, I mean, maybe the numbers still work out to where each conference is all of a sudden 32 teams, although I think the SEC would uh, fight hard against something like that. But I would love to see a system eventually set up. This is going to piss some people off, BK, but that's fine. You know, I'm trying to think about viable ways to make this happen going forward to ensure that the schools who are a part of the highest level remain competitive where you have that highest level and you have that line where it's like below this level, you are operating within a different playoff system. But at that highest level, uh, not only is there more money on the line in all likelihood because these schools are working with more to begin with, but you also have something like relegation come into play where if a school sucks so bad one year, they drop down to that lower level for at least a year, if not more, and a team wow. that has proven themselves to be really good at that second highest level all of a sudden bumps themselves up. And I know that gets things into more of a, uh, a professional feel, but we're not going to sit here and operate as if college football is an amateur sport at this point. There is entirely too much money on the line, and honestly, that's an ignorant way to look at things. That's the way that the NCAA continues to try and look at things, which is why they're fighting battles that have already been lost five years ago. You know, you've got some, you've got some people on your side with this uh, relegation conversation, Trey. I don't know if anybody would sign up for that. I mean, hell, they can't even get the MLS to do it, and that's something that would probably make. Got to cut it out mid-conversation once again because I have a commercial break to get to, but you can go to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel to hear the full two-hour conversation, or you can stay tuned because coming up, one more highlight from today's conversation with Brad Kellner on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. It's going to be a condensed version of where we at in society. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of tonight's show is one more chance to bring you highlights from day one of the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. It is a new venture started by Brad Kellner, myself, Bucky Godbolt, Kevin Dunn, Adam Wagner, and BK and I are going to be doing a daily show from 12 to 1. Now, today it was actually this morning because I had to fill in for Bucky who was stuck in Atlanta, but you know anytime BK and I do a show together, going back to our old radio days, we got to include where are we at in society. All right, let's do it. This is a, a staple of the old midday with Trey and BK. This has been a staple on every podcast that we've done and we are excited to bring it back for Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is now time for... Where are we at in society today? Yeah, buddy, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, BK, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Perhaps all is not lost. Maybe we will win that eventual war with the robots, but sadly, today is not that day. 
are you technically considered Gen Z BK or are you millennial? I forget. I'm millennial. I'm towards okay. the back end of being considered a millennial, but I am a millennial and I should not sound nearly as excited as I do to say that. So you are in your late twenties right now, 29? 29. Yes, sir. So Gen Z is apparently aged 18 to 26. And there is new research out that shows that Gen Zers are real cheapskates when it comes to tipping in situations where all of us have become accustomed to tipping over the years. And it really starts with Gen Zers refusing to tip people who are delivering food to your doorstep, which in my opinion is a very egregious moment in choosing not to tip somebody. That person is providing a service. They're not getting paid a great rate in the process. And part of the way that they make their living is through tips. Come on, Gen Z, tip the food delivery people. Do they think that the delivery charge that shows up in either the delivery apps or just from like Domino's or Papa John's or Pizza Hut, do they think that constitutes as the tip? Is that the reasoning? I would say yes, except there are other examples where Gen Z is half as likely to tip as everybody else. Like Gen Z doesn't tip when using a taxi or ride-sharing service. Mm. You tip the people who are getting you from point A to point B. That's just common courtesy. I'll be honest, I used to not do that as well. Um, I'm a very generous tipper at restaurants. I tipped every delivery driver that I've ever had, but I used to treat Uber and Lyft like, that's your job. Like this, this is what you do. Uh, and I wouldn't like always not tip. Like if there, there was great conversation or if they went above and beyond, or if they got me there quickly, then I would throw in a nice, you know, tip on top of the actual cost. But I used to treat that like, nah, dude, that's your job. That's what you're getting paid to do. I'm not, I'm not just going to give you extra money for the sake of giving you extra money, but I've come around a little bit. I'm uh, I'm more generous with that now. Perhaps there is some wiggle room in terms of the ride sharing. It's not always a cut and dry process. Like with the taxi, like you know that you're tipping the taxi driver when you're paying that bill. But with Uber, it's a little bit different. But I'm glad you mentioned restaurants because restaurants is the most obvious place where you're tipping. Unless you're at that rare restaurant that says, we don't accept tips. The tip is in the price that we're charging you for food and drinks. And that's because we're trying to pay everybody a livable wage. But for most restaurants, you tip your server. Unless the experience is so bad that you ha- you're having to make a point, in most instances, the starting point is at least 20%, if not a little bit higher than that. Only 35% of Gen Zers say that they always tip at a sit-down restaurant. That's how cheap this generation is becoming, that they're choosing not to tip at the most obvious place where you, where you need to provide that tip at the end of your meal. Now, the worst part is that the waiters and waitresses have to watch these kids get up and do a TikTok dance in the middle of their shift. And then after all of that, despite basically just ruining their lives by being obnoxious and being on their phones the entire time they're sitting down at the table, they uh, they don't get tips on top of that. Yeah, that's, that's rough, man. 35%. That is freaking brutal. Now, I want to go back to something you said for a second. Yeah. You said start at 20%. You're starting there? You just said that you're a good tipper. Yes, 20% is the low point, and usually you're rounding up from whatever that 20% is. Damn, I, I was always taught 15% is the starting point. Now I, I almost always go above that, but hold on now. Start at 20%. You might ruffle some feathers with that shit, dude. No, 20% is the bare minimum. You watch. The people on the comments line are going to back me up on this one. 
And I would argue with inflation, what it is right now, 25% is, is quickly becoming the standard. Yeah, inflation affects me too. It doesn't just affect them, it affects <laughs> me. All right, and I'm trying to get a business off the ground now with this Texas Sports Unfiltered thing. I need all the money I could get, so you better be bringing me like a free dessert or singing me happy birthday or something if you want 25%. Come on now. Let me tell you, if you're tipping 15%, you better not go back to that restaurant and hope that that <laughs> server remembers who you are because your food is getting messed with. After that, uh, 15% is, that is a slap in the face to that server. Dude, 15%, it sounds like is more than half the people going into the restaurant these days. Oh, congratulations. You're not doing a TikTok video in the middle of your meal. You get to tip 15% now. No, tip 20% at a bare minimum, up to 25 or maybe even 30% if it's that good. And by the way, if they give you something for free, you add the tip on top of that too. Whatever is close to the cost of whatever it was that you got for free, that's what you're adding to the tip there. Mm. What about picking up food? Like if you order something online or over the phone, sports fan asks a good question. Well, didn't really ask a question, kind of mentioned what uh, he or she does when dealing with tipping. What do you do? Yeah, no, I, I think food? that's I think that's a pretty good standard. I probably tend to get closer to 20% even if I'm just picking it up because places are tend to be pretty good about sharing with everybody who is a part of that process within the restaurant, but I completely understand 15% if you're pick, just picking it up and starting at 20% if you're sitting down for the meal. What are you tipping for? You're picking it up. They're not they're, serving you. They're just cooking the food. Exactly. They're cooking the food. They're getting the food packed up for you. They're getting the food ready to go at the to-go counter. There's different uh, levels to this here. And, and by the way, the people who are working at the to-go counter, or maybe it's a bartender who's at a uh, half-empty bar, like, th- those those people are reliant on uh, getting a little bit of extra cash in that situation to help them mind whatever financial gap they're dealing with. Mm. All right, so you're tipping on the pickup. You're tipping J- when you sit down. You're tipping the delivery driver. So well, JP does bring up an interesting point here. I can't stand the guilt tipping on the iPads. Yeah. I think that... Um, I think that places do them uh, do themselves a disservice by only offering a couple different options for the iPads because there are times where they'll say 10, 15, or 20% on the iPad, and then they'll give you the option of the custom amount. you got to start at 15%. You go 15, 20, 25%, and then the custom amount. I've never seen 10, 15, or 20. I feel like I usually see 22, 25, and 50. 50? Not, not 50. I've never seen That's 50. ambitious. That's uh, if they have 50 on there, they're getting a $0 tip. I'm telling you that. I'm typing custom amount and I'm putting zero if they're putting that on there. That's a joke. Now, do but, you, when you're at a, staying at a hotel, I typically put the uh, do not disturb the entire time at a hotel. I don't need you coming in and, and messing with my stuff as you're supposedly cleaning my room. But at the end of your hotel stay, are you leaving money on the pillow as a tip to the maid service that's coming in to clean up after you? What, did they lose a tooth? Why would I leave money under the pillow? On top of the pillow. No. I I usually just leave a shirt every time I travel. Not intentionally, but that's their gift. They can either wear that shirt, give it out as a gift, sell it to somebody to make some money. It's more than I'd probably give them in a tip anyways. Like That's that's their reward. Those maids don't want your chimichunga-stained white (laughs) t-shirt, Okay. Throw a, throw, a 10 or, throw a 10 or 20 down on top of the pillow as a thank you for them having to clean up after you. Mm, having to clean? They just got to change the sheets, man. It's not that bad. Change the sheets? There's, there's probably some other cleaning up that has to happen there. They're having to gather up towels. They're having to clean the bathroom. Mm. 
I got, have you ever done the Costanza bit with the janitor at a hotel or something? Oh, like that's sleeping that the kind with of tip the, you're the talking about? At a hotel? No, I've never slept with a hotel janitor before. Uh, that's now on my bucket list. I hadn't thought about that one before. That's a good idea. Me, glad I came up with that. All right, so I got to got to tip where, there Where are you too. trying to do? Where are you trying to do that deed if you're going to make that one happen? Uh, in the hotel room, right? Okay. Yeah. Like, I didn't know if you were going to go into like the custodian closet or something to, to make some plays. Ooh, I am curious what's in there. Get a chemical high while you're uh, while you're doing the deed. Hmm. With all right, made. Yeah, it'll be clean in there. At least I would hope. So that's good. Be able to sanitize right away. No problem with that at all. Oh my goodness. And we start in the realm of birthday parties for where we at BK, where a mom was trying to do something special for her daughter's fifth birthday party. So she set up a Barbie themed fifth birthday party. Barbie having a moment right now with the popularity of the new movie, which is a really entertaining movie, by the way. Don't let the haters hate. It's a great flick. Go check it out. Please tell me you saw this with your wife and not by yourself at the theater. I did see it with my wife. Had to cut you off one final time, but you're just going to have to go to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel to hear the entire two-hour conversation that I had with Brad Kellner this morning. It is going to be a daily thing going forward, as is BK and Bucky doing a morning show, doing stuff regularly with Kevin Dunn as well. Adam Wagner also a part of the fray. And there are more exciting things to be announced. Just can't do so just yet. Have to uh, finalize a couple of little things. But trust me, there are huge things coming down the pike. So you do not want to miss that. Thank you so much for listening tonight. I'll be back tomorrow at 10 with a lengthy conversation with one Bucky Godbolt. Talk about his life as a football coach, as a human being, as a radio professional, and a whole lot more. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.